Hello, you are watching or listening to Potessi Tonight for December 7th, 2022. This is the program that we hope will be glorifying to God, convicting the sinners, and edifying to the saints. A program with sincere questions and biblical answers. Thank you so much for tuning in for the team at protestia.com and other trusted discernment and polemics websites on the interwebs. Analyzing the news of the day from a theological perspective, offering insightful and biblical commentary is what this program is all about. Polemics, of course, as you may or may not know, is the field of theological study where we take what people are saying in the name of God and compare it to the Word of God. This program on the 7th will represent a return to the usual format. We had some some new watchers and listeners and folks interested in the program uh, for reasons very close to home. And the last show we did went uh, over three hours, around three hours long because we were doing really a long format sermon review that I pray has been helpful. And certainly even for those that might've disagreed with us doing it or those that may have disagreed with what I said, even though I haven't gotten any responses to that effect just yet, will be will be um, understanding of the reason why we do what we do. Uh, usually on this program, we uh, go through kind of like bigger things and more you know national news or, or bigger stories in evangelicalism and uh, bigger figures in the Christian conversation. Um, but I explained on the last one why we kind of brought it back closer to home and you can certainly go back and find that live stream replay on the Protestia tonight. YouTube channel. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it. You know that I've been, we've been teasing a live uh, stream, Protestia Live, now for some time. Um, there's still a spot on the, the website itself uh, in the lower right, or you know, if you're on mobile, just scroll down. It says Protestia Live. There's a click to the current schedule. And then, of course, a big box is this video not available. And the reason that it's uh, not available is because it's only available when the live stream is actually going. We've, we've had to delay that slightly because apparently I was mistaken about the time frame for the Protestia YouTube channel to be let out of YouTube jail. And it looks like it's going to be let out sometime the end of this month. And so we're hoping to get this actually online and going by uh, the first of the year as the year turns around. Uh, get, that, get that going. And what it'll look like basically is the Protestia YouTube channel will stream live programming um, replays of podcasts, uh, news updates, things like this. Hopefully for somewhere around 12 to 13 hours a day, this will run. And then when this program, Protestia Tonight, goes live on Tuesday nights, it will go live on, it'll be basically broadcast on both channels. Um, and, you know, again, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how that's going to work and look. Um, you may have seen over the last few months some some kind of test runs and some other things like that going on, and some some um, daily intelligence briefings that we just call the intelligence briefing now, that kind of stuff going on. And wonder it started now it stopped. Why is that? It's because we're we're kind of giving it the the test run, and we need the other channel to be let out of YouTube jail before we can actually get the show on the road. Um, but anyway, we're going to be talking today about a, a little a little update for those that might be tuning in because they they you know, would like me to say something about the situation that we were referencing on the last show and the reason that I did the sermon review that I did. So we'll talk about that just for a few minutes. We're going to get into the 
journalist, Julie Roy's, um, basically rehashing an old podcast of hers with Diane Langberg that's where they're both basically advocating for if somebody has um, ever been able to be labeled a pedophile, whether it's by action or apparently by by um, attraction or maybe they've struggled with that sin in some way, that they should be permanently banned from churches. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also going to talk about, and this is related really uh, perhaps to the sermon review that we did on the last program. We're going to talk a little bit about what false conversion looks like. We're going to dig back into scripture talking about false conversion because it seems like a lot of, and this is just feedback that I've gotten after the last program, it seems like there are a lot of professing Christians that do not understand the scope of this reality, the scope that there are the majority, and I will, I'll, I'll demonstrate why I'm saying this, the majority of professing believers, the majority of those that claim the name of Christ are actually not Christians. We're going to go through that and talk about that just a little bit more. Um, and then also talk, talk about, again, in relationship to this topic, what you do when pastors of churches are saying manifestly different things at different times and what, what we're to make of that what, that, what that means and the warning sign that that might become. And then uh, if we have the time, uh, we will be talking about uh, extra biblical materials, not only being brought into the church, but being tacitly endorsed, endorsed um, with specific reference to the, the series that apparently everybody who claims the name of Christ loves, The Chosen, this, this TV series that has earned accolades from evangelical churches and Catholics and, and Mormons and just across the board, any, any you know, quote-unquote faith tradition that calls itself Christian is, um, is complimenting and promoting and, and bringing pieces of this into their church. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about what, what the actual um, Christian approach should be to the endorsement of so-called Christian materials, and especially when it comes to bringing those materials into the church. We also have a whole series of provocative and interesting patron questions. Now, when I say patron questions, this is the normal format of this show. For those of you that uh, may not know, we do about an hour, a little less than an hour, basically as close to an hour as I can get without going too far over, of the free side of the podcast, or as we lovingly say, the freeloader side of the podcast. We love our freeloaders. We're glad you're here. Um, but then we then we go to the second portion of the podcast, which is the patron-only portion, where you can drive the content of the program by asking sincere questions in Patreon. You can do this for only five ninety five a month. Um, that's you know less than lunch, less than a coffee uh, once a month. You can help support what we're doing here financially. Um, also get access to the full program and get uh, direct access to control the the content of the program through sincere questions. Every sincere question that gets asked will get answered eventually. There's a couple that have been hanging out there for a little while. We'll, we will catch up in what we are calling the PTVIP segment. That's Protesty Tonight VIP. Not to say everybody else isn't important, but that's the segment that the the financial supporters of the program have access to. There are other tiers of support on Patreon, um, depending on where um, these, what the Spirit puts on your heart. Now, we're always careful to say this. We don't want anybody contributing to this ministry financially unless they are a loving, giving, serving, faithful member of a local New Testament church. Your giving, uh, financial giving needs to be first and foremost directed towards supporting your family materially 
um, but also supporting your local body, uh, giving to your local church. And if you have extra or you decide, hey, I, I don't I don't need that um, soy vanilla latte today and you want to, you know, once a month and you can be also financially supporting what what we do here if you find this to be useful and a blessing and a help to you. Now, this program is not intended, and we, we try to say this as well, this program is not intended for lone wolf Christians. This is not intended for you to get a whole bunch of dirt um, on your pastor or or something like this and take it back to your church and go on attack mode. People think that all the time, and I realize that when it's something that's, you know, when we're digging into controversy and we're being uh, we're confronting things and we're being polemical, which is really argumentation, we're arguing about doctrine, it can seem that way. Now, I would argue this is because the modern church is and modern Christians are so incredibly soft and so incredibly spoiled, they've never had to really fight for doctrine. They've never had to really fight for these things. And so any now any argumentation is is thought to be unchristian or not Christ-like or something like that. There's an article on protestia.com called An Open Letter to Fellow Believers Who Have Concerns About Online Polemics and Discernment that if this is you, if, if you see what we're doing, you hear what we're doing, you say, that just seems mean to me. I can't believe that they would ever you know, openly talk unapologetically about doctrine and bring up truth and things. You see, I'm, I'm kind of using my mocking voice because I think that that's, an, that's a soft uh, position to take. It's not really supported biblically. In fact, it's, it's definitely not supported biblically, not only in the text, but even in the history of the church. The Christian church is forged historically on arguing about doctrine and figuring out what we believe and contending for the truth. And that tradition is alive and well here at Protestia. Um, but you can go over to that article and see for yourself the biblical defense and the biblical explanation for what it is that we do here. And if you have questions about it, you know, put some in the comments. We're not hard to reach. Um, and you know, challenge if you think that we've gotten something wrong. This is always true. Uh, we are always open to that challenge. Now, before we get into the to the rest of the news and the rest of the discussion, of course, the reason that we that we do this, the reason that Christian ministry exists, the reason that parachurch ministries like this um, exist is for the propagation of God's truth, most specifically the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll remember that we discussed this in length and in detail on the longer sermon review, the differences in the true God, preaching the true gospel and what so many churches do these days to be relevant to the culture and responsive to the culture and round off the hard ends and the hard truth that is part and parcel of the gospel message itself. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is miraculous and powerful in self in his, his death on the cross is powerful um, and, and miraculous because of the alternative, because of what it really does, because we are all lost and dead in our trespasses and sins having offended and rebelled against a holy and righteous God and 100% deserving of eternal damnation, eternal uh, hellfire, eternal punishment and separation from God himself. That, that's the horrifying truth that, that contextualizes the power and the love of what Christ did <clears throat> on the cross. You notice I still have a little bit of a cough, still trying to kick this thing and, and of course, doing doing podcasts and, and, and singing and all the stuff that I wind up doing is um, makes it take longer to get rid of. I will try my best to use the mute button. Um, but that, that is the core of the, and we always, we always talk about the gospel before every single podcast because it's more important than everything else we're about to say, but it also contextualizes why it's important. 
um, the gospel, the gospel message is the fundamental truth that we teach as believers. This is true in any context. It doesn't matter if you are a pastor behind a pulpit, if you are a, um, a troublemaker ne'er-do-well like myself on uh, doing a podcast here where we discuss these things, or if it's just you and your, maybe your coworkers or your friends or maybe your family that isn't saved, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ contextualizes why everything else we talk about is important. And it's important, you, you can go straight to scripture to find why what we do is important, why it's important to contend for the truth, why it's important to have a reason for the hope that's within us, but that hope is in the person and work and, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So, um, the Jesus Christ, he was born of a virgin. This is, this is important for those that uh, need to understand the real reality behind uh, the real reality of their own depravity. Um, Jesus was born of a virgin, and so he didn't inherit the sin nature that we all inherited. Every person born was born into sin, born re- rebellious against God, and completely incapable of changing that on their own, completely incapable of um, not acting in accordance with their nature, which is to sin and to, um, and to rebel and do things that are contrary to, to God's ways and his truth. And so because of that, we're all destined for a, a, a godless eternity apart from God in hell. Uh, and, and yet God loved the world so much. He sent Jesus born of a virgin. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived, he earned righteousness on our behalf, righteousness. We had no ability to earn and then took the punishment that we were supposed to take. He sacrificed himself, gave himself as the sacrificial lamb for all who are called according to his purpose. Um, Jesus Christ died on that cross, paid the price for our sins, and if we, those of us who believe and trust in him, repent of our sins, turn from our sins, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, salvation is a free gift. God now sees us as righteous because of the sacrifice of Christ and because of the faith that we have um, in the person and work of Jesus for our salvation. So Jesus died on that cross, a horrific a uh, humiliating, um, um, inexplicably humbling uh, death. He died on that cross, was buried, and on the third day was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He conquered death. Jesus's, scripture refers to Jesus as the firstborn of many brethren. Jesus was raised from the dead, and therefore you and I can be raised from the dead as well, made new creations, be born again by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Scripture says... Um, uh, call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's one of the contexts of the gospel. Again, we talked about that on the last program, that repentance is a necessary element. And this is, repentance is, is it happens before we, quote unquote, make our decision for Christ. It also happens after. It is the evidence, the fruit of the Spirit, the good fruit that comes from the good tree that we are made into by the regenerative power of salvation. Um, I won't get 100% into these details here, but if you have more questions about what the gospel is, you have more questions about how to be saved, how to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ um, by the, you know, and you know, repent from your sins and turn to Him. We would love to have that conversation with you. Uh, you can always you can reach out to us. Uh, I I try to watch comments on YouTube. I try to you know basically look around all the time to see are there folks trying to trying to get a hold of us for questions in this area and get to them. Um, but we, we will spend as much time as necessary to talk to you about what that is and how you might come to know 
and trust and believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Now, on to the topics of the day. We're going to start, um, you know what, let's, let's, let's start with a little update, a little update about kind of what's, what's happened for those of you that are curious. Uh, the, the, the church buying the school did a, a meeting, like a community meeting or a parent meeting or something last night, which I think a lot of parents were confused and they thought it was going to be some sort of a Q&A. They thought that, um, the, that the church buying the school was, was going to be answering questions. Parents had submitted something like 40 to 50 questions that they, that they wanted answers to that were submitted that I, I think a lot of people showed up with the idea that these questions would be answered and they were not answered. Um, instead it wound up being a pep rally for this, this change for this, this church buying the school. Um, those that were there at the meeting noticed that the front rows, multiple uh, areas of the front of the auditorium where this was happening were reserved for staff um, so, so they had, they had, um, little pieces of paper that said reserved for staff. And then as the meeting started, we noticed that all of those rows were filled with, m- um, members and staff of the church buying the school who basically acted kind of as a cheering section. So it, it was, it was interesting to see the front half of the room and this, this section here being wildly enthusiastic about this change and the back half of the room being much more muted and waiting for the answers to questions that we didn't get. So I, I wasn't, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. Um, and really it probably didn't make any difference, uh, for me to be there at all, except that it's, um, you know, I wore my sort of signature hat and I did have parents coming up to me and, and just kind of lamenting and saying, you know, Hey, we, we appreciate you discussing the doctrinal issues here, which are more important to us than having a new, facility or improvements or, or upgrades or something like that, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine that is taught by this church and by the school is the most important thing to us. Um, there was a, let's just say, let's say an, an attempted clarification on the sermon that we had talked about on the last program where the, the, the pastor stood up and said, actually, I believe that marriage is between a woman, one woman and one man um, the, actually, I believe that, and the school will, you know, um, still have the same code of conduct and all of this as well. And therefore, you know, I, I even in my forty years of preaching and da 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 da, I I make mistakes, and then they just and then they just moved on. Now, obviously, those of us who um are looking at this with biblical discernment, that's a huge red flag. And you know, let let's talk about that a little bit, since since I'm kind of going that direction anyway. You you have a pastor that says that preaches a sermon that he claims I spent two hundred hours preparing this sermon. He claims um, in the same sermon that he spends all sorts of time being very very specific about what he believes and why he believes and what he teaches and why it's taught and all of these things, and then has basically a sermon that from top to bottom is scripture twisting and you know just just abuse of the text and winds up on taking positions that. Any orthodox believer knows are unbiblical positions, damaging positions, gospel gospel offensive kind of positions. This this becomes the sermon, and then in response to critique, response to actual biblical rebuttal, the answer is delete the sermon off the internet, and then put out a statement that says, "Actually, I believe something that's diametrically opposed to what I taught in this sermon," and he 
he expects Christian parents to accept that. He, why, why would you expect Christians to accept that? What, what do we consider it when, when a, a teacher or a preacher or something one day says one thing and another day says something totally different than that? Are we, we just like whatever you said most late, most recently is, the, is what you actually believe or teach? What, are, what have you said most recently? We, we, we should accept that and just forget about what you said earlier? That's not sufficient. That's sufficient if, if your goal is to um, wage a PR campaign to try to paper over what's actually going on. Then, then I suppose that would be sufficient. But for discerning Christians, that should be a huge red flag. In fact, that should be a bigger red flag than the sermon itself. And let, and let me explain why. If we get to the point, it, like it's one thing to disagree over doctrine. It's one thing to disagree over what the Bible teaches about something and you know, openly. Then we can actually have a discussion. Then we can actually open the word and debate this and figure out what the truth actually is and then determine, okay, you, you know, you, your church, and, and the, now the school you're buying teaches these things and I'm either comfortable with that or not. We can actually have an open discussion. But when one of the participants in this discussion says one thing over here and then later says something diametrically opposed with no explanation whatsoever that it now it's now it's become impossible to now it's become impossible to actually have a discussion because we don't know what you actually believe you can't say i believe in this and i also believe in this and they totally disagree with each other and just move on this is the postmodernism that i was referring to in the last video this idea that two um opposing ideas, two opposing truths can coexist at the same time. And it's okay. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. They can both be true, even though they disagree with each other. And we're okay with that. That's, that's obviously, um, it's sinful to think that way. It's sinful not to be authentic. It's sinful not to tell the truth because the truth and not bearing false witness, being truthful implies that there is one truth on an issue that, hey, we may disagree about what that is, and then we'll drill down, and we might still disagree at the end, but if you, as a, as a participant in this debate, as, as taking one side, you take all the sides, multiple sides, two sides, three sides, four sides, you're try, they're, they're trying to please everybody, but in the end, they're not, they're not pleasing the one person that they're supposed to please, which is God himself. God's word says, teaches things about these issues, and it's not okay to simply say that 200-hour prepped sermon, um, actually, I totally teach something else now. I totally believe something else. That was just a, just a mistake, just a whoopsie. wasn't just a whoopsie. If, if, if you believe that that was just a whoopsie, uh, you have deeper problems with how you analyze truth. Um, that, that's the situation that, that we find ourselves in, and... There's a reason that the answer for this has been this entire time, um, don't go to social media. Don't actually have this debate on the open. Take it to us privately. Well, why, why do they want you to take it to them privately? You thought about that? It's, it's real simple. It's, it's for the same reason that we're just going to scrub what we said two, two, three years ago and say something new without even addressing how we wound up in such egregious error, such such offensive error to the word of God. We were not going to even address that. We're going to just be like, whoopsies, oops. I guess we, we just made a mistake, but this is what we actually believe over here. The same reason why they, they, that 
they find that somehow acceptable and not not disingenuous and deceptive, which is what it actually is, is the same reason that they want that, that pastors will tell you to take this stuff to them privately because they're about to tell you something that's different from what they would tell everybody else. Why does it need to be private? Why does it need to be private and 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 not public? Because the entire i the, the entire ministry strategy is totally disingenuous. That's why a a Christian pastor should be able to stand behind a pulpit or on a video or in a in a um, a letter or an article or anywhere and preach the truth to the entire world. It is not an acceptable Christian ministry strategy to say we have a theology and a belief system behind closed doors and but then when we turn to the lost world we're going to proclaim something different. We're going to leave parts out that are offensive. We're going to modify the message, you know, so as to not offend the world. That strategy, that disingenuous, I'm going to tell one thing to one group and another thing to another group, is exactly why they tell you, hey, you know, take this to take this to us behind closed doors. And any parent that is looking to place their children into an educational institution that is okay with this, that accepts the idea that we can be um, have one message for one group and one message for another group and maybe a third message for a third group, and with and especially with what the Word of God teaches. That's not Christian. That's not Christian. You are, you are putting your children at grave risk if you put them under the tutelage, under the leadership of supposed Christian ministers that unapologetically even advance this strategy of ministry. Why would a Christian pastor say behind closed doors or to the parent group last night, I believe the gospel includes repentance, but then pre- when he preaches the gospel to the world, he conveniently leaves that out. Have you, have you asked yourself this question? Have you asked yourself why to the world in a prepared 200-hour um, prepped sermon, the conclusion was, I'm going to jump in the baptistry with, to, to baptize lesbians into false assurance of salvation? That, that that was acceptable, but then now all of a sudden it's not acceptable enough to leave the sermon up on the internet? you got to delete it, pretend like you didn't say it, and sort of, sort of casually say, whoopsie, that was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. The mistake would be parents assuming that somehow a, a preacher that has been preaching this for a long time, decades, this, this kind of half gospel, this truncated gospel that wound up with false practice happening at his own church, baptizing unrepentant homosexuals, claiming that they're saved despite the clear teaching of the word of God, um, the mistake would be parents thinking that that somehow is not going to seep into the educational institution. And I had a, a lot of parents coming up to me um, just lamenting that this was the case. They know, Christians know, Christians who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit respond to the clear proclamation of the word of God. And by contrast, they can see the cracks in false, in false teaching and false doctrine it is not okay for Christians to be deceptive when it comes to evangelism. It is not okay for Christians to say, we actually believe this stuff here. And these things, by the way, they're not just little detail, the- theological details. These are essential to the gospel. Repentance and therefore the sin that we must repent from is essential to the gospel. You can't leave it out, get somebody's name on the dotted line, and then later uh, you know, uh, then later the Holy Spirit will somehow 
<coughs> convict them of all the sins that you were unwilling to tell them about to begin with. It's just not how it works. And so, you know, again, I want to go in related to this. I'm going to, I'm going to move um, to, we're going to talk a little, go back to Matthew 7 and discuss this just, just a little bit more. Um, and again, it's, it's, I think it's been a good thing that, um, that we were at the meeting that, that, that parents were able to express themselves. It's a shame that in response to this, that any church, any pastor, any ministry would ever say, um, that, that they would ever engage in trying to shut down discussion. That's, that's problematic when they say, when they say something like, um, don't talk about this out in the open. Don't talk about this. When they characterize open discussion as gossip, it's not gossip. Gossip is saying something behind closed doors, behind somebody's back that they don't have access to or the, you know, can't respond to. That's gossip. Me correcting doctrine out in the open or any other Christian can, correcting something out in the open or discussing public preaching in a public, um, in a public form is not gossip. It's not slander just because you don't like it. It's not slander just because you disagree. Um, I will tell this to, to, and I know that there's probably some disagreement on this within, um, the, the, the parent community here. Uh, it is a big red flag for Orthodox Christians like myself that the church in question has ordained women into the pastorate. That's, you know, first Timothy two twelve very specifically, um, makes it clear that that's, that that's sinful. We do not permit a woman to teach. And yet the church in question that's about to take over the school has three or four women pastors. Now, pastor, biblically speaking, is the same office as elder, overseer, bishop, same office. This is an office that's reserved for men very clearly when you take the teaching of the New Testament in context of itself and understand why Paul did not permit women to teach or exercise authority over men. When we we talk about um, uh, women learning in silence and submission, um, in the church, and this this doesn't mean they can't say anything, but this means that the the husband and wife uh, relationship, the created order, where where the man is husband of the wife, just as Christ is head of the church, um, all the way back in Genesis, still persists within the church. The reason that a woman cannot be a pastor in the church is the same reason that she cannot be the spiritual head of her household, because God designed something different, and so. Any church that allows women to be pastors at the church, they are sinning. They are sinning against those women's husbands, because you cannot be a pastor within the church, have spiritual authority, especially teaching and doctrinal authority within a church, without having that same authority in your household at home. So you have you have female pastors in this church who have husbands, who have husbands. Tell me how how can that husband be the spiritual leader of his household while his wife is very clearly his spiritual leader within the church context. Again, you're, you're, you're flipping the created order and God's design upside down when you do something like this. And more, more specifically for the rest of the church, you have pastors in this church who are um, spiritual leaders in the church, doctrinal spiritual leaders within the church um, that the rest of the body is, is to submit to, to submit to in the church context who um, then these leaders are supposed to submit. I mean, they're, they're women. They're supposed to submit to their husbands at home. So who are you really submitting to? So if you, you say, I am biblically 
I'm following what the Bible teaches here and submitting to the spiritual authority of this woman pastor in my church. And she is being obedient and submitting to the spiritual authority of her husband at home. Are you not then under his, his spiritual authority? I mean, if he is the head of, of the wife, husband is head of the wife, he's, he is her spiritual head. Um, and then she is your spiritual head within the church context. Who's actually in charge? Who's actually the authority within the church body? It's not her. I mean, not if, not, at least not if she's being obedient to the scripture as far as her relationship to her husband. But that's the trick is she isn't. She's the spiritual leader within her marriage because she's the spiritual leader of him within the church. I mean, this, this is, it, it is the first sign, without exception, by the way, the first sign of doctrinal downgrade and destruction within a Christian church or denomination. The very first thing that happens is they start ordaining women into the pastorate. They start um, changing the clear teaching of the Bible with regard to uh, men and women within the church. That's the first thing that happens. And, and why is it so troubling? It's because it shows their disrespect for Scripture itself, that they're willing to, to um, change the clear meaning of Scripture to suit their own purposes and their own ends. And the downgrade starts there, and it continues. It should not be a surprise that a church is openly baptizing unrepentant homosexuals um, that has, has ordained women into the pastorate. should be no surprise at all. That's how it goes. If you look at you look at history of the mainline denominations, um, you know the the United Methodists and and um, Anglican denominations, the Episcopal Church, um, you can trace their downgrade, their theological downgrade, all, all other doctrinal issues aside. But the fact that they openly affirm every sort of um, you know sexual perversion that's out there starts with what they've done, you know, with by by abusing Scripture to make it say what they want it to say with regard to men and women in the church. Um, let's go to Matthew. This is Matthew 7. We're, gonna, we're, we're going to um, come back into this. Matthew 7, 15. Matthew 7, uh, 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered? Now, let me stop at verse 16 real quick. You will recognize them by their fruits. Um, what, what, what is one of the major bad fruits that you see from false prophets? And who, by the way, if you look at, at, at Matthew seven fifteen, the false prophets look like us. They sound like us. They talk in Christianese. They say all the right things that Christians should hear um, that, that we would expect someone to hear. They talk about praying and, and, and God's, God's will and, his, and, um, and doing miraculous things and, and whatnot. They come to us in sheep's clothing. We will recognize them by their fruits. Well, what, what is one of the fruits of a false teacher? Well, they, they, they say all the Christian-y kind of, a th- kind of things, but then they practice what ought not to be practiced. They, they give license to those who practice immorality, who continue lawlessness, who continue an unrepentant sin and lifestyles that directly oppose the word of God. That's, you know, you will recognize them by their fruits. Did you not recognize that fruit? Um, Verse 16 continues, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, good fruit, like repentance, repenting from your sins. And no, that doesn't mean perfect. Doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means that your beliefs and your focus and 
your allegiances change towards the things of God and not the things of the world. So that when you do sin, the Holy Spirit convicts your conscience and God grabs you by the scruff and puts you back on the narrow path. Someone who continues down the wide path to destruction through the wide gate um, is, is very clearly not a healthy tree. Verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The, the primary fruit of the false teacher, primary fruit of the false teacher is what he or she sometimes teaches that the word of God says. How do they handle scripture? Are they willing to actually preach the truth when it costs them something? Are they actually willing to make somebody feel bad for the purpose of convicting that person's heart of their sin and their need for a savior? That's probably, if not the greatest, one of the biggest lies in the modern American church is this idea that evangelism is all about um, using techniques and, and referring to and, and, and changing the way we say things and the way that we do things in order to appeal to lost people. That's actually not evangelism at all. You know, we, will, will we um, help with material needs and, and be friendly and love our neighbors uh, as Christians? Absolutely. But we don't hide the truth from them. It's, it's, you know, we unapologetically say, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we, are, we, we would like to feed you and clothe you and, and, and you know, help you with these, these felt needs, as we call them, for the purpose of bringing you Jesus Christ, for the purpose of preaching the gospel to you. But we don't adulterate the message. We don't say, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to run a, uh, like a food, a food pantry here. And people come to the food pantry and they get the food and they just leave um, either with no gospel at all or with just, hey, Jesus loves you. Um, he loves everybody the same. And if you just trust him, you'll be saved. No, we will preach the gospel. The gospel is that they are lost and dead in their trespasses and sins. We're not loving our neighbor by we're not loving our neighbor by refusing to point out the severity of their situation. Like why why would anybody come to Jesus if it was just like, well, um, you know, hey, by the way, you you you've probably done some bad stuff. You've probably done some bad stuff, and and you know, Jesus is actually he's actually the 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 better answer to this. And if you, if you raise your hand and say that you believe in Jesus, well, you're going to heaven. I mean, God has to take you at that point. His word says he's got to take you. If you say, I believe in Jesus. Um, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. And, and how do we know that's not the gospel? Well, let's continue to read into Matthew uh, seven twenty one. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Now, prophesy in this context is not saying um, we, we were future, you know, uh, fortune tellers or future tellers. It's, it's not prophesy like we told you what would happen in the future and it happened. This is prophesy as in publicly proclaim the truth, publicly proclaim the name of the Lord. So these people say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? I mean, Lord, did we not have... Um, this, this wonderful Christian school, did, did, did we not have a wonderful arts facility and a new, um, a, a new performing arts complex and a new gym and, 
and and we were unapologetically Christian in the culture and all of this. Did, did we not do these things? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now we see in this verse, again, who who will Jesus tell to depart? Workers of lawlessness. Well, how, how do we de- define a worker of lawlessness in this context? Who's a worker of lawlessness? Well, again, we can go back to um, the context of Romans, and this is back to <clears throat> this is back to. Um, and I said Romans. I mean First uh, Corinthians. This is First Corinthians uh, six. We're going to go down to verse nine here. Um, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, or do you not know that the unrighteous unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, again, we, we went over this on the last, uh, the last episode. This is a salvific statement. This is Paul saying um, these people will not be saved. These people will be thrown into the hellfire. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, do not be deceived. He wrote, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters um, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11, this is the important part, and such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He's making a distinction here between those who are saved and those who are not saved. Those who are saved um are not these things anymore. They're not these things anymore. And this is why it concerns me when you hear a preacher um, basically justify sort of looking past or excusing unrepentant sin by pointing to all of our past sin. Well, who are you to judge? You know, you're, you're, I mean, you've sinned too. I mean, I mean, you got divorced 20 years ago, you've sinned. And so, so you really, I mean, who are you to say, at this point, that this person is practicing um, lawlessness, that this person is in sin. Well, I'm not saying it. The Word of God is saying it. So, I mean, by that standard, by the, hey, we've all sinned at some point, so, so we can't judge, no Christian would ever bring the word, to God, word of God to bear on any situation, except that for the doctrine of regeneration that indicates there's a difference, a difference you can see, a difference you can you can actually judge and understand between the unrepentant lost person and the re- and the repentant Christian. D- does the repentant Christian still sin? Yes. Yes. Paul himself said, the things that I want to do, I, I can't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. He understood, just like all of us, uh, all, all of us who are believers understand that we still bear the flesh. We still have the flesh nature that... Um, causes us to sin. Um, and I'm going to move over to another passage to demonstrate exactly how this works for those of you that may not understand. But the important thing to take from this passage is there is a difference. There's a difference. When, when Paul says to the Corinthian church, and this is, by the way, the inspired word of God, this is the spirit of God speaking through the apostle Paul um, in this writing that these people, the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, um, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy drunkards, revilers, and swindlers will inherit the kingdom. He's not talking about um, a sin that someone commits and then repents of, turns from their wicked ways, and practices no more. 
and if they if if they sin again, they're they're put back on the path. These are people that practice this as a way of life. They don't believe it's wrong. At least they don't believe it's wrong to the point where they believe it's an offense against God that that needs to be turned from. So the 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 the, the lesbian or the homosexual that's being baptized into your church doesn't believe these things are wrong. Ad- adultery, any sex outside of biblical marriage, marriage between a man and a woman is by definition adultery. Um, and, and yet he, he also brings in uh, uh, homosexuality here as well, which in the modern lexicon is a term that is encompassing multiple, multiple um, depraved sinful acts that are outside of God's design. Um, he's saying that you continue to practice this, you will not inherit the kingdom. You're not saved. What, who is saved? Those that were this, those that were, but were washed and sanctified and justified. And that is evidenced by a repenting of your sins, by a turning away from those things. Um, repentance is, uh, there is an immediate repentance as we turn away from our false belief to a true belief in the, um, in the person and work of Jesus Christ and, and trust in him, where before we didn't trust in him, there's immediate repentance of that, of that false belief to a true belief. But there's also a continual repentance that Christians practice as they further understand the ways, the ways of God and what's true and what isn't true, what's God's ways and what, what is um, against his ways, what is sin. And so the idea that we can somehow withhold the very clear sin that Scripture is very clear about, and really na- in, some of the, in some of this nature and the created order is very clear is sin, that we can withhold that, get somebody to believe in Jesus, and then later wait for them to come around to, oh, I, I, and I guess all these, these other sinful things here that I practice, and by the way, you didn't tell me they were wrong. Um, I've, I've now come to figure out that they're wrong. That's not, that's not appropriate. That's deceptive. That's a bait and switch bait and switch evangelism where, Hey, we're, we're not going to proclaim the unadulterated truth about a holy and righteous God, therefore convicting you of your sin, bringing you to your knees and repentance, um, and, and contrition and truly believing in Jesus Christ to save you from those things. We're going to sort of, we'll just put that to the side. Well, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. The important thing is that you just raise your hand and say, you believe in Jesus. That's the important thing. And then later we'll actually talk about all those details that the Bible indicates are foolishness and offensive to you. You know, we can set the foolishness and the offensiveness aside, get you in the club, get you signed up, so that when the judgment comes, um, God will have to take you. I mean, after all, you, you'll be able to say, but, but, but Lord, did, did I not do works in your name? Did I, not pro-? I mean, I called to you, Lord, Lord. Did I not prophesy in your name? Was I not talking about Jesus all the time? You know, this, this, this is a, such a fundamental error. And such a fundamental abrogation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it cannot be warned about enough. Um, let me flip over to uh, another another passage here that I want to talk about real quick in Romans. This is Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now again, in Christ Jesus has a definition. It's not just anybody that says they believe in Jesus, but those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By the way, in these, these verses were spoken in the sermon we talked about last, last uh, program. 
Um, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, uh, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law, a re- righteous requirement of the law was death, a, a sacrifice, blood spilled for, um, as the punishment for sin, by the way, might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, is death. Again, we see reiterating here, uh, a re- reiteration here of um, continuing to walk in lawlessness, practice lawlessness as a way of life is death. It's evidence of um, being lost in your sins. Um, continued, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Oh, law? You mean you mean there are actually laws that Christians are still supposed to be obeying? Yes. Yes. So when you hear a preacher say, hey, you can't actually uh, proclaim um, that homosexuality is sinful according to God's immutable, immutable uh, moral law and his design, um, because after all, you eat shellfish now. When you hear somebody say something like that, that is such a wild misapplication of the truth of God's word. Um, it's a disqualifying error outside of specific addressed repentance of that kind of a false teaching. It is disqualifying. No pastor, no Orthodox preacher of, of God's word should ever come up with something like, um, because the ceremonial and dietary restrictions of, of the ancient, um, Israelites, ancient Israel were, were completed and their purpose in, by the way, pointing to the holiness of God and to Christ are complete. Uh, somehow it's a free for all. Somehow now we can't ever call anything sin. Um, verse eight, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You continue to practice these unrepentant lifestyle sins that are characteristic of who you are. You continue to bear bad fruit. You are a bad tree. You cannot please God. Um, Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. So, So again, Paul is saying this is to Christians, not to unbelievers, not to just anybody. He says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Again, very clear a distinction here between lost people and saved people, the unregenerate and the regenerate, the born again and the still dead in their trespasses and sins. And it is a horribly unloving thing to tell uh, anybody who's, who you know for a fact, in fact, you apparently excuse it, who continues to practice unrepentant sin as identified in the word of God, that they're saved. You know, any preacher that says, oh, now, oh, you, you've done, you've, you've said these words over here. Oh, you're saved. He's not, he doesn't get to declare that. That's not biblical. It's not a biblical model. I've seen you raise your hand. I've seen you say certain words. So I'm going to declare you saved is not biblical. It's not biblical. How do we know saved from unsaved? We look to the fruit. We look to repentance. We look to the evidences of salvation. In fact, we do that for ourselves. You know, this is, this is essential. I realize I've gone way 
uh, longer with this than I planned on because it's really this important. It's really this important. If, if we as believers do not get the gospel right, if we, not do, if we don't properly understand what the word of God teaches about salvation, about how this happens, we have nothing. If you don't have the gospel, you don't have Christ. You know, if you if you um you do not have the spirit of Christ, which is ev- again evidenced by um repentance and agreement with the truth uh, laid out for us in God's word, uh, you don't have anything. Um, the, the, if we don't get this right, there's no point in other Christian education. There's no point in having fancy programs. There's no point in being supposedly protected from the bad ways of the world. You know, Jesus said himself in Matthew 7, um, there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord. You know, Jesus said about the narrow gate and the wide gate, many find the wide gate. Many walk the wide path and find the wide gate that leads to destruction. Few find the narrow gate. Few go through the narrow gate. What does that mean? Well, is many more than few? Yeah, many is more than few. That means that the majority, more people will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you, then will actually be his. Again, many find the wide gate, go through the wide gate that leads to destruction, and few go through the narrow gate that leads to salvation. And do we want our families, do we, do we want to be teaching our families um, that, hey, as long as you're culturally Christian, as long as you're upholding a, an honor code and you're doing these things, somehow you're safe. No, we want to be preaching them the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be encouraging them to look at the examining themselves to see if they're in the faith. That's what that's what true uh, Christian parents should be doing. <clears throat> Excuse me, still coughing. Uh, anyway, that's going to have to do it for this episode of um, Polemics Report. Uh, I will talk about the other issues that I uh, sort of tease at the beginning of this. I will talk about them at on, on the next program, which hopefully be able to come out real soon. In fact, I might actually record it right after this if I have the time. But thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Polemics Report. If you are a patron supporter, there will be a patron portion of this. Um, the, the video for this dropped into Patreon as well, or of course the full audio version. Um, you can search your favorite pod catcher or your favorite podcasting platform or something for Protesty Tonight. Did I say Polemics Report? I might have, but it's Protesty Tonight. You can find on your podcatcher um, any of them to listen to this side of the podcast for free. Thank you again for joining us. As always, Semper Reformando. Semper Reformando.